Welcome to another episode of Rap Theology. I am Ebony Janice. I'm your host. I'm also your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. That's a fact. Y'all, the lyric in my spirit is actually, it's been a long time. I shouldn't have left you without a dope beat to step to, step to, step to, step to, step to, step to. Ficky, ficky, ficky. Seriously, that's that's actually the lyric in my spirit. Because where have I been? I feel like, has it been like three, four weeks? It's been like a month. I don't know. It ain't no telling. But life, life, guys. My grandmother used to sing this song. Time is filled with swift transitions. Not on earth unmoved can stand, huh? Build your hopes with things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. And the lesson in that in regards to this podcast is if you was actually expecting me to be on time every other week, like I said I was going to post these little podcast situations, mm -mm. you done built your hopes on the wrong things. You got to build your hopes on things eternal, honey. You got to hold to God's unchanging hand. Because if you out here holding to Ebony Janice's unchanging hand, baby, my hand is changing daily. That That's not wisdom. No, seriously, I be trying to be on time. I really do. But for real, for real, life. Nevertheless, I persist. No, seriously, nevertheless, I be out here in these streets. I give you two episodes a month at least. That's the best I can do for now. Y'all go ahead and contribute to this little Patreon or this little PayPal situation so that I can be more consistent with this content. Uh, And I'll be here right on time. I'll be here every week. If y'all donate, the way that the Lord has called you to, but y'all don't want to do your part. <laughs> Wait a minute. This wasn't actually in my spirit to say, but apparently it was. No, for real. I'm so happy to be back uh, after what, like three weeks. This topic is very timely though. So it's just the appropriate time. You got to let the Holy Ghost lead you and move you. And I am here with this rap the- theology episode. The title of it is Stop Feeding the White Women. So right off the back, I just want to say, hey, (laughs) uh, any white women that listen to this podcast, and I know that there are several, this ain't, this ain't me trying to offend you. In fact, I would say that, um, I have heard several people make this distinction. I do think this is important. I think that there are white women and I think that there are women that happen to be white. And so because we do understand that, you know, whiteness is a full blown construction, it's full blown made up, um, and, and what whiteness grants you, right? Like the privileges that come as a result of being white and, and embracing that and accepting that, the privileges that come along with that. There is a way to be a woman that happens to be white and to be able to maneuver in spaces that don't, um, that your whiteness doesn't become harmful and problematic for other people. So many of the white women that I know listen to this podcast, they are women that happen to be white. And not necessarily white women wielding their white womanness around. However, even those white women, this is still important for you to not other yourself from your white women compadres and your cousins and your aunties and your grandmas and your memas and your, you know, aunties and your Sunday school teachers because, um, you also still benefit from whiteness, whether or not you have decided to take that privilege and use it as power over instead of power with. And so... This still for you too. So stop feeding the white women. I'm gonna say that one more time. Stop feeding the white women. I decided this is a conversation I have kind of been having behind the scenes a little bit. I was talking about it on um, Instagram stories recently when the Timothy Ann Burnside, who is the curator for the hip hop um, exhibit at the National Museum of African-American History and Culture, um, 
somebody asked a question on Twitter. What the hell? When did a white woman? What is it? You know, what's going on with this? The fact that a white woman is curating the hip hop exhibit at the National Museum of African-American History and Culture. And it became this big, dramatic, you know, like three, four day ordeal as Twitter can be very often. And um, we're just everybody's kind of just sharing their thoughts on what it means for her to be in that space. Um, Those that were taking up for her and those that were like, "Mm -mm, no, no, this not this should not be. And so where I come into this conversation is I actually knew that Timothy Ann Burnside was in this position at the National Museum of African-American History and Culture. And I don't have major beef with it. off the strength that I do know a little bit about her background because when I first found this out of course I went into research mode like wait a minute what is going on here and from what I can tell and from what those um there are many black people that have actually co-signed her as you know being very credible and have being very learned and um being even even an ally, I'm doing quote fingers, an ally to a certain extent because she has done the work, done a lot of work to make space for um, black people in in this area. But let's stop right there and talk about how it's problematic that a white woman has to be making space for black people in hip hop. I... I don't have any personal beef with Tim- Timothy Ann Burnside. Like I said, from what I can tell, she seems to be very, um, very much so like of the culture, you know, really loving hip hop and not trying to um, necessarily do work that centers her in those conversations. So I can appreciate that. However, we're talking about hip hop. Let's just keep coming back to that. We're not talking about, you know, some mystical study that nobody necessarily knows the origin of or who has ownership over this we talking about hip hop hip hop hip hop hip is bigger than hip hop no seriously (laughs) sorry uh dead press wouldn't let go of my spirit there yeah we talking about hip hop so that's problematic it is problematic when um It's problematic because we're talking about a genre where there are many very learned people, particularly in this area, right? Like doing museum creation, uh, curation, um, like history, um, library studies, these kinds of things that would add to being able to um, do this kind of work, curating the hip hop exhibit for National Museum of African-American History and Culture. And myself personally... I'm just I'm just going to stare off into the distance a little bit. But myself personally, because my undergraduate degree is cultural anthropology, political science. And, you know, in my coursework during my master's degree, I'm having all this conversation, doing all this work around hip hop. Particularly, I am creating this is me like legitimately creating solid proof of the necessity of considering hip hop a sacred text, considering hip hop. Um, a major, uh, like it just cannot be excluded from it's, it's an ethical discussion at this point about how we exclude hip hop from conversations of what is worthy, what is sight worthy, you know, so I'm doing this work. I'm creating this conversation. I'm adding to, you know, several other conversations that are already kind of tipping, you know, tiptoeing into that area a little bit, but I'm talking about it from a sociopolitical and a spiritual theological perspective. And, um, and I'm centering black women in that discussion. So of course I have thoughts on, you know, like, 
like I brought, I bring up my cultural anthropology degree because we're talking about somebody who is in an has an undergraduate degree where there are not many African-American people, period, especially not black women. So, you know, I pretty much know all the cultural anthropologists in these United States of America that are black women. And of the ones that have done um, cultural anthropology studies beyond undergraduate degree, even I can genuinely, this is not an exaggeration. I can genuinely name 10 black women off the top of my head that actually, you can't even tell me were not either as qualified or more qualified to do that work than Timothy Ann Burnside. And again, that is no shade to her. That's just me saying like, like we can name them, like we know who they are and what makes them beyond, you know, uh, their entrance into this space. What would make many of them, uh, those that are that I would consider like even more qualified or will make any many of them even more qualified is is the fact that they're black women um, is is the fact that they're black is the fact that this is their culture is the fact that this is the language of their soul seriously so I I titled this stop feeding the white women because what I have found is that white women um, can literally do the least the least and particularly when they're in an area that isn't native to their person, which is which is honestly many areas because I don't know that necessarily whiteness in America has a culture. Um, and that's not shade, that's just reality. What is white culture in America separate from racism? What is white culture and like what is white culture? Like a, like the culture that belongs that you created, that you invented, that you, you know, what is it? Separate from racism, what is white culture? And so, so white women can go into any other area and do the least. And because it is foreign for us to see them in those spaces, we'd be like, oh my God, this white woman is doing this amazing work. She's doing the least. She all she said was, I really like hip hop and she can quote Wu Tang. That's the least. And I'm not talking about Timothy Ann Burnside. I'm just saying, like, I'm just giving that example, like the least, the least. And but this this came to like around the same time that I started to notice there's this white woman that a lot of people repost her. She'll be like quoting um, like Little Wayne lyrics or she'll be quoting Gucci Mane lyrics and but you know she all she's doing is quoting the lyrics there's nothing else profound about the video she'll just literally be on camera quoting these lyrics and you'll see you'll see like hundreds of thousands of views on videos and people in the comment section like oh she went in it wasn't her lyric she just quoting some lyrics are you kidding me and so that's just another example of like you give you give so much energy and attention when you see white women doing the least. But there are black women. There there are other groups of period people people period. But this Ebony Janice, this Ebony Janice show, this rap theology. So I this is womanist praxis at work. I'm always centering black women in my discussions. There there are at least. I mean, just scroll down your timeline right now. Just go to the popular page. Just scroll down your timeline and you could just swing in a circle and throw a rock and it will land on a black woman that is doing more profound work on your timeline right now. More profound work than just quoting some lyrics. And that's it. That's problematic. Another example of white women just doing the least and we be feeding them. Girl, this is amazing. Keep it up. 
keep what up? Keep keep quoting lyrics from Oh, okay. So again, this is white women, not women that happen to be white. White women can enter into these spaces and benefit, but then also benefit from their whiteness where they don't have to, they can exclude themselves. They can leave conversations whenever it feels too uncomfortable. And, you know, a perfect example of that is when the Timothy Ann Burnside situation was going down where like lots of people were like, you know, like what is going on? National Museum of African-American Culture, what y'all doing? This is crazy. Timothy Ann Burnside never said anything. She never, she never said anything. And heck of people just showing up to her defense because, and many people have stated this, and I just want to state it again, because for some reason, people are more likely to come to the aid and the defense of white women because white women have historically been constructed as fragile and weak. And for white women listening to this, y'all should be mad about that. Like, like tell people to stop taking up for y'all like that, that you're not fragile, that you're not weak, because that's the story being told about you that, oh, you got to, you know, that your white tears, you know, which are violent, they actually are. And that, you know, you're fragile. And even so Joyner Truth, you know, talks about how she's seen white women helped into carriages and she's seen people laying down stuff over puddles. And she's like, I ain't never been helped into no carriage. I ain't never been helped, you know, over no puddle. And ain't I a woman? That's that's my question. So for white women, like, y'all should be mad. Y'all should be as mad as black women are about the fact that y'all are treated that way because they're constructing you as fragile. It's a story. It's a, cur- a creation. As a matter of fact, in, in America, when slavery was abolished, I'm doing quote fingers, when slavery was abolished, that what had to happen was because there wasn't an actual story of black men raping white women during um the civil war during reconstruction reconstruction like that wasn't an actual story they had to create that as a story this is the construction of the criminal in these united states of america and it started with protect us from protect our white women and children from this big black boogeyman black man it's a real thing. That's not just me just talking to be talking. That is a whole full-blown real thing. And in my Patreon, actually, I'm teaching a two-part class in the month of October 2018 right now, teaching this two-part class on lynching in contemporary society. And I start by introducing Red Records written by Ida B. Wells, where Ida B. Wells breaks down um, lynching. Like, all these stories of lynching were like, like there's one story where they blame this man, the woman come for rape. The woman comes back, this the this white woman comes back and says, "I was lying, girl. I was lying." And then after that comes out, they they say, "This is for real. This actually happened." They say, "Oh, well, he probably did something." So they killed him. They I think they shot him ten thousand times, or they like they they did something. It was something really really excessive. He didn't even do anything. So the full-blown construction of criminality, it happens. Check out my Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Ebony Janice and teaching classes there every month. And so I'm part, part one is I'm per- personal professor. So I'm teaching a different class every month. And then part two is I'm personal preacher where I'm basically ta- tailoring for my community, for the community that's there. I'm tailoring like specific transformational messages. So check out the Patreon. But yeah, so stop feeding the white women just like there's this protection that happens for white women that does not happen for other groups of people especially black women especially black women especially black women and then and then this very mediocre like doing the least all you gotta do is the least as a white woman and if you're in a space that isn't 
um, you know, traditionally, you know, white, which is which is many spaces um, because colonization is a thing. So if you're not in a space that's traditionally white, then you just get heralded for doing the least. I love hip hop. Oh, hey, I see you loved hip hop for many years. Why don't you come over here and curate the exhibit for the National Museum of African American History and Culture. And we will also just pretend like there were no black people. There were no black or brown people that I could have done this work. And that and or that you were the best. You were the most qualified. And even if nobody applied for those jobs, it is important for so-called allies to make room, to actually make room, to say, to stand up in those moments and be like, now y'all know this is a little sketchy. Y'all offer me this job. I would love to have this job. But what about a co-facilitator? I know XYZ is also doing brilliant work. And as a result of this being her culture and she has actually contributed to this culture, what about reaching out to her? Or what about reaching out to him? And to me, that's the way that you use your privilege to make room for people of color who actually belong in those positions that it's just easier for you to get access to. Your name rises to the top of the pile, both because you're white and because it's rare for you to be in this industry, not because you're the best at it. Then I go to Old Girl at the Grocery Store that there's this recent video of a white woman telling this older white woman off for... Um, calling out these two uh, Spanish-speaking women in a grocery store. She's like, I'm calling the police. She really, I mean, she does a fantastic job of pulling that old lady's card and basically being like, girl, you got to get up out of here. And I appreciated it. Shout out to a grocery store, cuss out. So grab your auntie so I don't have to grab her. That to me is what you're supposed to do. But guess what? That's what you're supposed to do. So when the internet explodes, like bringing this woman all this attention, what you do is this is another example of feeding the white women. You make white women believe that when they do the mediocre least, the least you should do is stick up for somebody when you see your auntie acting a fool. The least you should do is come to the rescue of people who are poor and marginalized. The least you should do. But y'all done turned her into a hashtag shero. And you know, your hashtag shero legitimately was on her Instagram and the captions calling herself hashtag shero. She wrote that. She wrote hashtag shero in her post after y'all blew her up for doing what? The least. Thank you, yoga pants. Thank you for doing what you were supposed to do. But that's that's what you're supposed to do. So just another example, because I can name, I can spin around in a circle and be dizzy and still point to eight black women that have cussed your auntie out this week on behalf of somebody else. And we have not seen her viral video. In fact, had we seen her viral video, y'all would have been in the comment section saying, that's not the way to bring people into our work. We need to be more nice. We need to be sweeter. No, you need to get cussed out. Some people don't listen till you cuss. Lauren Hill said, and I add a motherfucker so the ignorant niggas hear me. Sometimes you need to get cussed out. It's just a reality. I wish that wasn't the case, but that's the way white people have made it. You don't want to walk away until somebody say, I'm going to pick up this bottle if you don't get out my face. 
I wanted to be peace and blessings and just sage the room, but that wasn't good enough for you. So yeah, I'm just another example of feeding the white women. The last example that I'll give today of feeding the white women, which is basically just like this, just blowing up white women for very basic, mediocre things. And that is y'all's favorite fave of all the favorites. And her name is Taylorinthia Swiftly. And by swiftly, I mean, girl, how many years have you been problematic? And it just took you till 2018 to say, uh-uh, now this is too far. So Taylor Swift posted recently on her Instagram about the fact that she has had it with her local Tennessee representative and she ain't here for it. Y'all need to register to vote. And what did everybody do? Oh my God, Taylor Swift, because of her, so many people registered to vote. It was the largest uptake of registrations in history. Girl, how long have you been in this on this planet? Why did it take you this long to realize that everybody's trash? Where were you several years ago when you should have been like, uh-uh, y'all, we need to get on this voting bandwagon. This is a thing. This is happening over here. So Taylor Swift did the least. The least. Thanks, Tay-Tay. I'm glad you showed up to this party. But where were you? That's number one. Letter B is, okay, now Taylor Swift is an activist? Now... Like, you see how easy it is for white women to just be heralded, to just be lifted up high and exalted, which comes down to, hey, do you realize that all your faves learned from black women? Period. Every one of them. I said this recently on Instagram. You scroll down your timeline, you see a white woman talking about anti-racism work and you know healing the land and making it a better place for you and for me and the entire human race (laughs) and you're like that's a catchy slogan you should put that on a t-shirt and and black women kind of peek around the corner like hey a white woman is just quoting somebody that's a whole song quincy jones produced it i'm sure Michael Jackson is singing in the background. A white woman didn't say that first. Yeah, a white woman didn't say that first. What are you doing? This is silly. She's literally just quoting somebody. Literally. Literally. Other than, what is her name? She's my auntie. It's a white, it's a woman that happens to be white. Jane, what is Jane's last name? She does the work where basically she pulls these white students. It's, you know, she's been doing it for decades, but she, you know, pulling white students to the side. She's separating them by blue eyes, brown eyes, and she's teaching them about what aggressions look like and what discrimination looks like. And there's one particular video that has gone viral just in the last several years. That It's an old video, but it's gone viral again in the last several years where there's one white girl that's like, this is unfair. I don't like being treated like this. Girl, this is how you be treating your black and brown classmates on a daily basis. That's what it looks like. That's the purpose of this activity. So yeah, other than Jane, who I don't even believe that that is some old brand new, ain't nobody ever thought this information. But yeah, there there are very few white women that I'm ever giving credit to for some unique, profound thing that I have thought on the, on the subject of race, period. So while y'all be out here shouting out your favorite white activist and ally, I'm just over here in this corner like, hey, 
your allies, your your faves that you, you know, you give all your time, energy, attention to the ones that you feed on a daily basis, the ones that you pour into, the ones that you cite. They're not actually aware of this thing called APA, MLA, Chicago uh, citation. It's still a thing. If there was a subtitle for this podcast, and it may have to be hashtag cite black women. That's all. That's all I actually came to say. I said all those words leading up to this cite black women for for all this feeding these white women, all this like hyping up white women for doing the least. I just want to say thank you, white women, for doing the work that you're doing. Seriously, even your faves like I appreciate them having those conversations and doing that work. But in real life, it does not benefit anybody especially not the people that you're so-called being an ally to or for or with. It doesn't benefit anybody for you to even come into racial justice work, social justice work, and be centered. How do you get to be centered in racial justice work when what we're trying to get racial justice from is you and your ancestors? This confusing. Not even this. This. This confusing. Seriously, I, I, I am just blown away at the idea of whiteness being centered, even in a discussion about racial and social justice. How, how about this? How about I come into your house? I tear it up. I kill a couple people and I leave for a while and I go revel in the spoils. And then I have children and they come to your house one day and they say, oh, it's a mess over here. This is a mess. Oh, no. Our parents had something to do with this. Our grandparents had something to do with why this is a mess. Hey, everybody. I'm going to clean this up. Can everybody give me a million dollars, a million follows, and smile at me every time you see me and give me a thumbs up. Yay. She's cleaning up the mess she's benefited from. Give me a break. Come in, help clean up, and then go sit down somewhere. That's it. The reason why you need to cite your sources, make room for black women in these discussions and understand that womanism. Because remember, we always talking from this womanist perspective where womanism means that we censor black women. Then we look around and like make sure like who are the other, other marginalized voices that we're not hearing, particularly natives in this country. Like like let's let's find out what Native American women are over here and issues talking about. Let's talk. Let's let's find out what like, you know, people who are like they're they're first generation Mexican-American. But 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 you're talking about go back to your country. Hey, California isn't even yours. Let's be just be reality that it was people there already. My G like like let's find out what those people have to say about what this black and brown experiences experience looks like in these United States of America. And then when we find out when we depart from here, let's go cite those people. But I but I'm centering womanism. I'm centering black women in these discussions because historically, because anti-blackness is a real thing. So even those other groups of people that I have mentioned, while they have suffered greatly at the hands of the creation of whiteness and the centering of whiteness, anti-blackness is a real life thing. So even those people, they have a history of being like, mm, girl, not with your nappy head itself. <laughs> Seriously. So let's just be reality. Let's go ahead, center black women in a conversation. And guess what happens? This is this is a, a wonder. This is about to be profound. So I want you to get your pen and paper and I want you to write this down. When we center black women, we are all more likely to win.
I'm going to repeat that because I know you're writing it down. When we center black women, we are all more likely to win. Now, if this was APA citation and you were writing this in your paragraph, you would put a parentheses after that. You would put more comma 2018 comma. No, I'm just playing. Seriously, though, like literally. Listen, when we center black women, we are all more likely to win because black women, you know what we want more than anything. We really want to get to the place where we could just mind our business. But y'all just create this world where it's just tired. We just tired, y'all. We just tired of having to mind everybody else's business but our own. I deserve a cruise. I deserve a spa. I deserve for my self-care to be able to look like a silent retreat in Thailand for 30 days and shave my head bald. Well, I done did that already. But yeah, I deserve that. I deserve to eat, pray, love life. I deserve to eat, pray, thug. I do. I deserve to be able to go away to three countries. I deserve to get fat on lasagna in Italy. I deserve to be able to go to Ghana and look at some beautiful black men. I deserve that. But guess what I can't do? I can't do that. Because you know why? Because I'm over here dealing with who? Y'all. Y'all, just be quiet. Center black women. Not so that we can fix this world, but so that we can stop dealing with your sh- <laughs> I had a quote, Erica Badu. I'm getting tired of your sh- You don't never buy me nothing. Huh? No, seriously. When you center black women, it isn't so that we can save the world. It's so that you can hear some suggestions that you've never heard because you've always been centered and black women have not been. So so my thought is, OK, we done ruined the ozone layer. We done, you know, we tapping out of, you know, we on our way to being done with all the clean water, uh, uh, water, drinkable water. Uh, animals are just being extinct every other, you know, every other day. Black people dying in the street and we leaving them lay there like roadkill. Hey, maybe we've been doing it wrong. Let's listen to some people we've never listened to. Camera pans to the black women. And we just sitting over there with our arms crossed and our lips pursed hard. And, you know, the spirit of our ancestors is going to make us speak up. We want to just roll our eyes and say, nigga, we told you so. But we're going to say something. We're going to say, hey, guys, let's first start with <sighs> stop feeding these white women. Stop making mediocrity. That ain't the first thing we're going to say, but that's the first thing I'm going to say, because that's the title of this little podcast situation today. Yeah, let's stop. Let's stop hyping up mediocrity. And if you really want to be an ally, if you really what what my girlfriend Levon Piku calls being a co-conspirator over co-conspirator over ally, co-conspirator conspirator is in this fight for real, for real. She's not just on a sideline saying, you know, yeah, I'm there with you, but not there with me. So if you really want to be a co-conspirator in this work, when when it time comes for you to uh, to have a voice or, you know, to use your voice or to use your privilege, do so. Definitely. But also cite your learning sources. That is revolutionary. You want to be a revolutionary? Cite your learning sources. And I'm going to pretty much make an audacious statement by saying, and it don't feel audacious to me or to my community, but I'm going to make an audacious statement by saying that when you cite your learning sources, probably 80% of the time you'll just be citing black women. Because even your fave black male source had a black mama that told him over and over again the same thing and he grew up 
And it was a privilege for his family that he benefited in this way by creating this content. But he grew up and wrote it in a book. And his grandma, he got that from his grandma. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, just cite black women. Hashtag cite black women. And we're going to be all right. Guys, that's all for that. The cipher question. The cipher question was from so many weeks ago that, hey, basically I'm trash. I was asking y'all on the social medias, on the interwebs, what are some of your favorite apps to use? Because I, w- I just wanted to see like what apps are people using. Guess what? The two number one apps that people are using are actually, and I feel like these two companies owe me some l'argent, some monies, because I be telling people about this. Number one is the Calm app. Calm. Call me. So that's number one. And number two is Duolingo. Now, I'm going to be reality. I didn't necessarily, I don't believe for one minute that I put people on a Duolingo. I'm going to take credit for Calm. I ain't going to take full-blown credit for Duolingo. But even Duolingo. Come on. I know I told the saints of God about Duolingo. So yeah, so those are the two. So if you're not using either of those apps, get your calm on and get your second language on. That's my, that's my, uh, well, I call that the self, self-care share. I meant to call that the cyber question. I don't know what I called it. You know, you heard me rewind. I'm talking about the cyber question. And the self-care share for today is actually, it's actually hot yoga. So I've just, I I have a, a very good history with hot, hot yoga. Hot yoga is... When you go to a yoga studio and basically the humidity is set at a certain point and the heat is set at a certain point, usually between 80 and like 105 degrees, depending on the um, specific form of yoga, Bikram for Bikram yoga, I think it's like 103 degrees or something like that. And the, the humidity point is something, it's something real ridiculous, but there are like 26 postures, 26 or 27 postures. And you just basically do, that's what Bikram yoga, you just do those same postures for an hour is it an hour and a half or an hour and 15 minutes? I prefer um, a condensed version of that. An hour is a is like legit my max um, and uh, more of a vinyasa flow. That's my thing. But I'm going to tell you how to create your own hot yoga studio in your bathroom. If you have enough space, you can run a tub of hot water. Now, you ain't going to waste that water because California, I believe they're still in a drought. So don't So don't waste water because like I said earlier, you know, y'all out here done created a condition where you know we just scratching and surviving hanging in a child line hoping that we can keep us in fresh water through our great great grandchildren's generation if at all possible but run a tub of hot water and you're going to get into this water after you do your yoga practice so don't waste that water and then put a small space heater on low in the bathroom in a corner Lay your yoga mat down. Let it get nice and warm in there. The bathtub water is so that there's 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 water in the air. There's moisture in the air. So it's not just dry heat in the bathroom. And get your yoga on. Look, you can prop up your iPad or your iPhone and put a little yoga situation on the YouTube situation and go get your life. I did bathroom yoga for most of 2011 and 2012. And I was a young fine thing. Seriously, skin popping. Uh, body just a party a, a whole entire party and you know God's party but also probably your rich uncle's party speaking of your rich uncle I'm single <laughs> why y'all don't be telling your rich uncle to call me I can't even believe I just said that that ain't in my notes but the spirit told me to tell y'all that guys thank you for listening to this podcast my name is Ebony Janice I am your favorite rapper's favorite rapper God
Guys, I just relaunched my Hip Hop Womanist website. It is hiphopwomanist.com. I am currently in the process of moving all of my pre-chub videos there to create a directory so that you can just legitimately, like so many people ask me, why don't you do a Bible study on Outcast? And I'm like, it's a whole Outcast series. Just look up Bible, hashtag Bible study with Outcast or just think about your favorite artists and just look them up. Hashtag Bible study with uh, crime mob hashtag Bible study with Beyonce of course like there are these whole series and if you just look for those hashtags you can generally find them but I'm moving them all to my website so that it's easy for you to just search search Little Wayne search J. Cole search <laughs> I was about to say somebody so ignorant somebody that I literally would never I was about to say search Kaya I promise you there's there's not a Bible study with Kaya because all you ladies pop your like this. <laughs> no, that's never happened. Wait a minute. Do it now. Do it good. This just like you should. Hmm. Maybe I could preach that. Never going to do it. Let me get out of here. If you'd like to contribute to my work, you can do so at paypal.com forward slash Ebony Janice. That's a lie. Paypal.me forward slash Ebony Janice. And that contribution legitimately just helps me to be able to continue to create this content, to continue to do this work, to continue to read. Because, you know, I got to read books so that I'm not just telling you what I think. I'm telling you what I what. No. Additionally, um, just sharing is a major contribution to this work. It's very helpful that instead of you feeding people that are doing this work at the minimum, you lift and support the people who are actually creating these conversations. Hey, let me introduce you to somebody creating and curating this conversation in a very real way. This is the work that my soul must have. My name is Ebony Janice. Janice is, looks like Janice, but it's spelled like peace because that's what I'm about. Despite the fact that I legitimately will grab a white woman's ponytail and tell her, hey, stop, cut it out. I'm really about that peace life. So until the next time we see each other, be blessed, be best.